This episode is brought to you by Dream Symbols. Launched in 2005, Dream Symbols is the partnership of passionate Canadian instrument designers and generations of Chinese gong smiths. So try one out at your local dealer. I think you're going to dig it. The prices are great. They've got some cool stuff that sounds funky, trashy, also some stuff that's clean. Uh, Also, follow them on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, Show them some Modern Drummer Podcast love. And let's get to the show. Modern Drummer live from where the heck is Mike Johnston in the world today? That's right. <laughs> Mr. Mike Johnston is, as I look at my recorder to make sure it's on, I am in Castleford. Where England. is that? Not um, Sacramento. No, it's not. I think Castleford is probably right next to other towns in Castleford. <laughs> <laughs> no idea where I am, bro. But I know that it's beautiful here, and the people are awesome, and the reason I'm here is um, Adam Swales runs a place called Crash Drum School, and I had done a clinic here in the past and a master class, and he just said, hey, do you want to do a clinic when you come over for the UK Drum Show? And I said, ah, I do, but you know, you're kind of driving distance from Manchester and I, I don't want to mess with the UK drum show. So how about I do a small masterclass at your place uh, and maybe just 15 people only. And then, uh, and then I can go do the, the UK drum show. And then after that, then I'll go to Bath, which is about a two and a half hour drive. And we felt, and I'll do a clinic open to the public there, but we felt like that was a big enough drive that it wouldn't mess with the the drum show draw, at least from my portion. Obviously, that show is going to be packed. But what's different about this is unlike PASIC, you don't just pay and get in. You pay to get into the show a small fee, and then you have to sign up for every single individual clinic. So you have to you, you have to get more. tickets for the Benny clinic. Yeah, so it's, I mean, they're very small fees, but yeah, and you can queue in line from what I've heard. Like, you can just wait in line and pay at the door, I think. I mean, I just, I remember last time, because people were saying, I got my tickets to see Mike Johnston. And I was like, well, just come. I'll be there. You know, like, yeah. just <laughs> when whoever performs before me leaves, stick around for 15 minutes while they wheel my <laughs> kid out onto the stage. And then I'll, and they're like, no, they, they literally, after every performer, they completely clear the room. Then they check tickets for the next artist. Huh. So, do you get so a yeah, portion so, of your own ticket sales? Is it like one of those jobs? No, no, I, I think they said I was getting like a, a really quality bag of roasted almonds. Nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> At least no, I, 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 Yeah. <laughs> I was like, don't be throwing that sriracha on them. Um, no, I mean, from what I understand, I just get my normal clinic fee. But but yeah, I mean, it's it's a thing where obviously, like I said, the, the show itself will be packed. But you could hurt your own attendance if you if I did like a bunch if I did a clinic in London or even in Manchester the week before, I could actually hurt my own attendance where people are like, well, I just saw you a week ago. So um, so that's Mm -hmm. why I'm doing the masterclass here in Castleford tomorrow and or today today. for the podcast listeners. (laughs) I got it. I'm time jumping with you, baby. Um, And then. uh, Yeah. And then I'll then we'll drive my kit. So my kit from Gretsch is actually here right now. We'll drive my kit and my cymbals to Manchester. I'll do the UK drum show. I'll be there all day Saturday 
just to watch the other artists and do some minor signings and have a minor dinner. And then I perform on Sunday. And then right after that, uh, I have a Gretsch dinner that night. And then Monday morning, drive to Bath with Kim Lee, who owns Music Workshop. And then I'll do the clinic uh, on Sunday. So hope to meet a bunch of our podcast listeners there. Should be cool. Sweet. Well, how about... Yeah, uh, what's going on with you, buddy? Well, we got Paul Bud's intro beat. How about that? That is a song. You mean the intro song? Intro song. It's called Dr. Krem, I guess is what it, what it is. I don't know what that is, but Dr. Oh, Krem. When you start naming them, <laughs> that's when you know it's real. Hey, he's got a cool, uh, he was playing the, I guess it was the house kit at the studio. It was a 1960s Slingerland kit with a 13, 16-inch toms and a 20-inch bass drum. I love that setup. Using his own 13-inch uh, Gretsch snare, Catalina snare, Catalina club snare. Those are surprisingly nice sounding. Um, yeah. Zildjian K-hats, K-Constantinople medium thin high ride. The uh, old classic K-Custom left side ride, which I think that was a Peter Erskine design. And he has a 12-inch spiral stacker on top of that. And then finally, he has one of those 20-inch A-Custom EFX crashes that have the... Uh, they're not circles. What do you call those? They look like fingers cut out of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know what yeah, you're talking about. Zildjian does uh, something a little different. That's pretty cool stuff. So who... Okay, in, uh, first of all, Paul, awesome job. And his band is called Nectar and Ambrosia. Hello. Uh, and I love the fact that he's like, dude, I'm not savvy enough to tell you what kind of microphones I used because <laughs> yeah. everyone that sends us sends us like the most detailed, like, and then I used monster cables going from the kick, <laughs> you know, preamp. And it's just like, Whoa, dude. But, and he's like, yeah, I have no idea what I used, but whatever. Nice. Sound um, room. That's uniform recording yeah. studio in Philadelphia. Nice. Sound, nice. Nice. Sound room. Check Thank it out you. next time you're there. Um, yeah. So on the, on the crashes that have the holes in them, I don't know if they have a name for that class of symbols. Trash F- crashes, effect symbols. Yeah, yeah. Okay, effect symbols. Who was the first to put that out to market that you can remember? Was it Sabian? I seem to think it was the, uh, yeah, the Dave Weckl Evolution Ozone. Okay. Right? Yeah, I mean. That's the first I remember. I think so. And, and I, I, I think it was, I think it might have been Chris Brewer at Meinl telling me, you know, like, Conceding that like Sabian did that first, and then the market followed them and did as much as they could to try different things out. And it is definitely, it's not a gimmick. I mean, there are things in the symbol world that are gimmicks. Like, I'm not going to say that some of those hammer marks aren't real hammer marks <laughs> on some of your cheaper symbols, or that they don't, <laughs> but they don't do that much. But the symbol was already formed, and then they put in some hammer marks later. Um, I think that's just my thought, but. That stuff really makes a big difference. Those holes create a sound that you really can't get any other way. Yeah, that's true. I've had some, you know, some skeptic friends would be like, they, you know, they cut holes out of it, so it's they're basically giving you less symbol and still charging you full price for it. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like I mean, I they're guess. Not cutting but, that much out of it. I mean, it is a sound. Right. Yeah, it's hard to deny. That's like saying that's like saying that a colander is a overpriced bowl because right. it has holes in it so you can drain pasta. Right. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm I'm happy to pay more for it because it does something. Uh, so yeah, Super so they should be called the colander symbols. The you can colanders. drain pasta with well, that's, them. That's the low volume ones that you can drain your dinner. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think. Uh, I think that those symbols actually have quite a purpose. So anyways, that was Paul Budd. Great job on that. What's going on with you, dude? What's going on with me? I'm coming to the end because our good buddy Carter is actually over there where you are. He's, well, he's in Ireland, I guess. 
Uh, I think he no, he's in Manchester tonight. Yeah, I think yeah, he gets Ronnie to Manchester Scott. tonight. Yeah. yeah. So I've been filling in for him on Lion King all week. This will be my seventh wow. seventh show in a row. Um, and I got to tell you, I, I, it makes me a little delirious when you get this day seven. You're like, all right, really? Which day is it? Where am I at? Where am I going? <laughs> wow. Okay. And how is your focus? That's a long show. How's your focus throughout the show? That is a great question because that is at this point that is the challenge. It's not the notes per se, although there's still a couple things. I, I every time I get to a certain spot, I'm like, man, I keep forgetting to clean up that one, whatever that okay. one phrase. But the thing for me now is I can't get to the I can't get to the downbeat of the end of the bowels without having a mental lapse of some sort. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. There's, like yeah. the other night, this was crazy. There's one scene when you know the the monkey hits Simba over the head and knocks some sense back into him. Rafiki hits him over the head, <laughs> and the drummer has to hit at a woodblock when Rafiki okay. hits him over the head. Yeah, I was already staring at the monitor like, all right, it's coming. I'm waiting for the cue. My mind just went somewhere. Just I don't know where it went. I was thinking no. about something, and for whatever reason, my body said, "You better pay attention right now and hit the thing." Like I literally oh. looked at the monitor and hit the hit the block like oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it was so oh weird my god it was like a and five I mean, second like just lapse my brain just said i need to take a break i'm going to mars for five seconds wow and then when you hit it and i'm assuming you hit it at the right time yeah no my body just knew it was like oh you better pay attention right now like it's happening and then was it like Catching yourself daydreaming while driving, and you just go like, "Oh my god, I could Absolutely. have died." I saw okay. like mailboxes coming right for me. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I've ever done that Whoa. either. But <laughs> no, none of us have ever. Yeah, that was oh, it. Was amazing because it's 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 kind of like falling asleep when you're driving. It's, that's a very good parallel where you're like, "I'm paying attention, I'm paying attention." All of a sudden, you start thinking about something else. Right, and we're both assuming that. The musical director of Lion King doesn't listen to our podcast, right? <laughs> well, I didn't miss it. My body knew when the when the play. Hey, <laughs> when you're that good, you're that good. Yeah. So it's Carter, not your fault. Carter, if you're listening, I didn't miss the wood block. <laughs> <laughs> I got the wood block. Yeah, but it's fun. Nailed so it. That's the big thing, and and because of that, I've um, a couple of things have happened. I haven't had a lot of time to practice because. I've had to work and then go do the show in the mornings when I normally practice, I'm just tired. So that's been weird, like not actually being able to practice just on the kit. And as a result, I can feel it. I can feel like the things really? are just like three days ago, I was kind of peaking, like the, the sticks felt effortless. And then the past three days has been like, hmm, how's this go again? What's this instrument mm. I'm playing? It's really weird. I hate that. I feel like I've been playing drums for 30 freaking years. I should be comfortable at this point. Dude, okay, so I left yesterday, had about a 20-hour travel with um, with layovers and whatnot, so I haven't played drums in 20 hours. And same thing, I, I even streamed my, my last run-through of my practice on Instagram and felt like, because I wanted that half-crowd feeling. Like, mm -hmm. it's not live, but it's live streaming, and if I wreck, you know, they, they can tell that my, my phone is 20 yards away from me. So they're going to talk all their smack because by the time I get to my phone, it's already scrolled past. So <laughs> right. I'm not going to see it. So it gives me enough pressure to be like, okay, let's, let's turn it up one notch. I did that same thing. Felt like I was peaking and then it hit me. Oh my gosh, I'm going to pack all my stuff up. I'm going to fly to 
Manchester, then we're going to drive to Castleford, and then I'm going to teach a master class. So I'm not going to practice. I'm not mm. even going to perform. And then, and, oh, and I forgot drumsticks. So I don't even have sticks in my hotel room right oh, now. Oh, so even in the airports, you can't even just get sticks in your hand. Couldn't even get, no. So by the time, and then uh, the uh, UK drum show, my sound check is on Saturday, not on Sunday. So by the time I walk on stage, it'll have been like five days since I've thrown down on a kit and they will start clapping and a click track will go off on my ears and it'll be like, <laughs> it'll be like very, very close to having a renewed religious experience Wow! where I'm like, God, I know we haven't been that tight lately, <laughs> but if you could just, and now no matter what I believe in and what I don't believe in, I definitely believe in the drum gods. There's yeah, no right. doubt that there are drum gods and they will smite us. <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm just like, look, I know I forgot my sticks and that's kind of a rookie move, but drum gods, if you could just shine down a little bit of whatever you just gave Benny and Jojo, that'd be great. You haven't felt so. the need to like find a pair of drumsticks? I have. I actually, so I asked Adam, the guy that brought me here, I was like, I'd prefer if they were mine, but I don't expect anyone, you know, your stores to carry mine. And he's like, no, I, I have some of yours. And I was like, great. And then he's like, oh, I, I didn't bring them. I'm like, okay, not a big deal. So it's all good. I mean, tomorrow I'll be on a drum set and hopefully if we set up early enough or maybe even after the master class, I can just get in like even just me with my laptop run through my tracks. But yeah, it's 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 definitely one of those things where it, you can peak and then you could lose it in two or three days. Yeah, I think it, yeah, it's 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 frustrating as hell because I still have time to do my my warm up. So my chops are are clean. Everything is exactly where it should yeah. be. I can still play the the exercises the same speed and with the same confidence. But it's when I get on the drum set, it's it's all like mm -hmm. my limbs are like eh, not quite there, and it just happens it within like like forty eight hours. Yeah, it just seems like there's a little bit of a disconnect between brain and body. Exactly. Like you said, I mean, I can if you get me fired up and get let me go, I'm fine. But when I reach for that stuff that was reachable two days ago, it's just not as sharp as it was. So weird. And it, and, and I'm not as confident going into it as I was because I'm like, wait, yeah, no, it starts on the on the end of two. Yeah, the end <laughs> of two. That conversation, I've already lost it. It's over. Yeah, you know, it's it's not to compare us to to professional athletes, but I I can kind of relate to like a pitcher in the major league baseball. Like if he doesn't pitch for five days and maybe he had a right. bad meal or something in there and everyone's just ripping him up because he, he goes out and throws a home run. But it's like, dude, you know how like the margin of error is so small yeah. for that for that time. It's a, it's the same thing when they're like, No, it's not a big deal that Le'Veon Bell didn't go to camp. I'm like, Really? Yeah, right. Seems like a huge deal <laughs> because because dang, he's, he's got, got freight trains running at him. Yeah, no reps uh, whatsoever. And it, it it has to be somewhat similar. I mean, we're you know, we're dealing with fine motor. Do you skills. think they're do you think they're doing sports podcasts right now where they're like, It's like being a professional drummer? <laughs> If and they not being only able to knew. practice for two days. If they I know. only knew. <laughs> I think some of them do. <laughs> I, I was watching Hard Knocks this year, and they they had a drummer go into the studio and play some beats. And I was like, I was like, man, I wish I could reach out to professional athletes, actors, and people that just wanted like to be taught, but be out of the spotlight while doing it, and be like, I got you, I got you. Okay, we need to talk right now about something more important, which is setting and reassessing our goals, <laughs> and. How, how was that? Smooth, oh, man. Smooth. Bro, I got ripped up. 
Some people damn near drove off the road when I said we were quitting the podcast. They oh, wrote me letters. They were awesome. not happy with me. <laughs> well, it's probably a bad time to tell them this is the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it again. It's not right. It's not right. Hey, you know it's going to suck? It almost was because you just like ghosted. Yeah. <laughs> I had to do it. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about it. That was bad. That was definitely some first date didn't go well for one of us vibes. Where where you're like hit me up. What about the podcast, Mike? You want to maybe? And I'm like, I, dude, I'm too busy for you, bro. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm just going to start here. sending you the uh, middle finger emoji for now on. <laughs> <laughs> you already do. You already do. Uh, actually, that's that's a Carter McLean thing. We we constantly are sending pictures of. Uh, watches to each other and then the response back is a is a middle finger (laughs) and it's like all right cool now i just need to know what your level of jealousy is that's the only reason i even get a watch is just to make i don't even wear them i buy them take a picture of them and then return them i just need the picture to send yeah i don't have the money to buy those kind of watches i just want to send carter the picture that i bought it hell i take half the pictures at a store i don't even buy it so i'm just like this, I got to tell you this little story. This morning I was walking my dogs, and my neighborhood is on, like, one side of a hill. I guess that would be the west side of the hill, and the other side of the hill is, like, very wealthy people. My side of the hill is just middle class. So I walk my dogs over the hill to kind of experience the, the high life over on. Yeah, sure. Because yeah. you get the sunrise. The weather is, like, so much better. Like, it's so strange. <laughs> Totally. I know so exactly thing, what you mean. As I was walking the dogs, you know, I've got dog hair all over me, and I'm walking down the street, and this guy rolls out of his driveway in his Mercedes, whatever the $130,000 version is, the, the sure. G, whatever it is. The G-Wagon? The, it, Was it the SUV or a car? No, no, it's the super sport thing, whatever the hell it is. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had to look it up after the fact, because I'm not a car guy at all. And, you know, he was like, like all messing with it and he gets out and he looks at me good good morning to you and i know he was expecting me to say something and i just kept on walking i'm like dude i really don't care i just want my dogs to poop you got a nice car man <laughs> it's cool that's so awesome i'm just trying to get some more coffee and me and my dogs have to poop so i love it <laughs> so take that i think that is epic and, and it was he, a beautiful he probably car, was though. like oh i've got it right here actually I actually had to look it up. It's the GTS, AMG GTS, $132,000 retail price. Goes from zero to 60 in 3.7 seconds. All this stuff I did, I learned after my dogs pooped and I went back to my house. (laughs) (laughs) Pretending that you didn't care about how rad his car was. No, it was like, man, that's a cool car. I wonder what it is. I looked it up. I was like, oh, no wonder he was like flexing his muscles at me. Like, jeez, peaks. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, now is a good time to talk about setting goals. Maybe that car is your goal. I hope it's not, but no, maybe that not. car is your goal. My goal All is right, to so not be t- that guy. <laughs> hey, hey, maybe he's a drummer that listens to this, and you just called out his car. And, no, uh, yeah, definitely not. Okay, so on the flight here, it's so funny that this is our topic. On the flight here, I wrote page after page after page of goals and they weren't oh, no personal kidding. goals they were they were it was more like almost like a goal statement and like a it, it was like a mission statement my goals and everything for my business wrapped into one and it was really trying to get down on paper what does mikeslessons.com stand for as a business now the reason why i'm bringing this up is because i think it's very applicable to who you are as a person i mean my 
my business has no employees, so I'm not trying to create some type of company culture. Um, but I'm, I really want to make sure that everything I put my effort into, and for you guys at home, maybe that's very similar to you putting your effort into your own drumming. I want to make sure that I can look at this, you know, this sheet that I'm going to eventually pare down to one piece of paper and say, the effort I'm doing right now, does it fit into these statements, into these goals, into these long-term goals? Or am I chasing something that I saw on Instagram? Am I nervous about, am I reacting? Mm -hmm. I don't want to react out of fear. I want to be driving forward towards the future that I planned for myself. And so I was very thorough about writing down, none of these goals were financial. None of them were even growth driven. They were all about how can my company and my product be better in the future? How can I be a better teacher and how can, and what is the goal? And I, and what it came down to was the goal for Mike'sLessons.com wasn't about better video content, which clearly I've been working my ass off on that. Maybe Mm -hmm. even more than my drumming. It wasn't about that. It wasn't about more tech. It came down to, I want people to learn better, but I want results. I want people I want to actually see that people are better at the drum set and Mm. I need to work on ways to measure that through the internet. So that process caused me to say, why have I not done this for my own personal drumming? You know, I, if I did that for my drumming and then I got distracted by Instagram and I started Nate Smithing out on the kit because I saw another Nate Smith video, then I could look at that sheet and say, that's not in line with my goals for myself. And I was very clear minded when I wrote these goals down. It doesn't mean you can't go off on a tangent for a while, but sometimes our lives become constant tangents of drumming and we're never sticking to a path. We're always reacting to something we saw online that day. Yeah. And that is a tough, I mean, yeah, I don't even know how to comment on that because you're just chasing things. You're chasing First of all, you're chasing things that aren't probably not natural. You're not prepared for. It's you know, there's so many other elements that go into what you're chasing that you you know you're over you're skipping a lot of steps. I mean, that's tough. For, yeah, for and me, it's so it's to, reactionary. And and you and you have to kind of say, okay, that's where that person is, and what do I like about it? And then you have to be honest. Like, can I do all the steps necessary to achieve what they just did? Right. Rather than let me just do it. And then it'll be cool. It'll it'll feel great. I did that thing, but right, yeah. That's taking the, an honest look at your abilities is probably the hardest part. And I know I've lost a lot of students because of that. Because it's mm. it's like yeah, you want to do that, but I I can't in good faith show you how to do that because you can't do A B C D E that are required for you to do that. And I don't know that you're willing to put in the work. I mean, that's something I'm dealing with right now. And like, I I think I mentioned to you last week in the podcast, but I am what I'm teaching tomorrow and at the UK drum show is going to become the core of what Mike'sLessons.com will be about. And it's about, I think a lot of people are missing. They have a, and they have like somewhere around R Yeah, and they have nothing in between. And that's why they can't use any of this stuff. And I want to connect those dots. And I think, when you and I practice something, we go down that rabbit hole fairly naturally because it's just what we did to get to where we are. Um, and what most of the drummers, I mean, you and I are so incredibly lucky to have the relationships we have with other, some of the greatest drummers in the world. Yes, very true. And, and you and I are both the kind of people that pick their brain about their process. I've never asked Carter ever, 
was that right, left, left, or right, left, left, left? You know, <laughs> I've just asked him, how did you practice that? What got you to that result? I don't, I'll figure out the rights and lefts on my own, but the process is important to me, whether it's Benny, Carter, Jojo, whoever, um, Thomas, you know? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, well, we're kind of getting a little bit off topic, but yeah, for me, it's looking at like, say, 10 years of practice. The first five years is going to be 80% technical because you've got to get your body to do the right things. You've got to learn yeah. how to do it. So all the fun stuff that everyone wants to do, you're just, you're, I, at least for me, I haven't felt able to do that until I was 25 years into playing drums. Like, like all right, right. I, I have the fundamentals under control enough to where I don't have to think about the technique. Now I can start exploring conceptual things. That's yeah. so far down the line. And, you know, and I'm OCD about that kind of stuff. So I guess I'm hypercritical. But once I opened that, once my ears started hearing, you know, the flaws in my own playing, it was it was unacceptable for me to, like, do that Dennis Chambers lick that you've been doing since 13, but you don't really know how to do it. Like, nope, that lick is off limits until I can do everything else that yeah. I need to do to get to that. Yeah, and, and the thing is, that lick always exists for whoever in their one home base tempo, in their one, you know, and they have to have their drum set and they and their orchestration, they haven't really explored it. And yeah. I just, um, we'll get back to the goal setting because I, I really want to know what you do for your personal goals and, and setting those goals and reassessing them after some time. But I just had a consultation with a, a new Vader artist and we were on the phone and she was just saying... The first thing I asked is like, well, who do you like? Who do you wish you could play like? And she said, I love Tony Royster Jr. I love Eric Moore. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> and she named off a, and I said, okay. And right now she's just a very straight ahead rock drummer. And what I immediately thought of was like, I don't think you have any idea what Tony's life was like. Well, let's, let's leave Tony out because we met him as a phenomenon, but I did know Eric when he was younger, and he's always been great. You didn't see him at four or five years old being told by his dad, play time, play straight time, please keep the pocket in church, and then eventually learning his first fill. And, and the amount of steps that leads up to that, um, you know, that vocabulary is insane. And that's like, and we're talking like with, with Tony and Eric, we're talking about two drummers that have some of the most just vast vocabularies in the world. And the amount of work that goes into it is is incredible. So let's say that somebody wanted to tackle that world. I want to be like Ronald Bruner Jr. Setting goals would be a really big deal. I think the scary thing is you're looking at a 20-year plan. Absolutely. I mean, at least, depending where you are now, it's at least five years to get to the point where you're even you know, approaching the easy stuff that they do. I mean, yeah. those three guys are perfect examples of amazing time, amazing awareness of tempo and subdivision, uh, amazing vocabulary. They just know music. They know all kinds of music yeah. and physically gifted on the instrument. I mean, they're they're able to get around the instrument in, ama in amazing ways. The fourth, the fourth thing, they also have very adventurous phrasing. Like they really understand groupings and mm -hmm. how to play with time. So it's like, where do you tackle that? The, well, the physical thing, that's going to be the easiest and also That's, the most impossible. There's a point when you're like, I am stuck at, which is kind of what I wanted to talk about with my own goals. My single stroke roll, 115 is it. I can't go faster than that. 
I've been. And you're talking about thirty second notes. Thirty second notes at at one fifteen, like trying to play it accurately. I just can't go faster than that. I've been and I've been hitting single stroke rolls every day for like a year, and it kind of got to that point. I'm like, all right, I think my body is kind of done here. Like this is it. Where I know guys like Ronald can like probably go. 15, 20 BPM faster than that with no no questions. And, and moving around the drum set. Yeah, so their body can just do things that my body can't do. Just like some people right. can run faster than other people. Yes, you can get faster, but there's going to be a point when right. your top speed is going to be less than the, the elite version of that. Right. So the physical side of it is going to be the easiest and also the hardest. You can You can attack the technique to a certain point. But you're probably never going to be able to play as fast as Tony and Ronald and Eric. I just, I, let's just agree. You're probably not going to be able to I, ever I th- play that I fast. Think in, I think the only way you'd be able to play that fast is if you put through your whole life like they did a massive priority on it. And you trained like an athlete. Like I look at um, maybe Scotty Pelgrom, who we're going to talk about later um, in our dream spot. He's somebody whose singles are probably up there, but it's a totally different type of single. It's very, yeah. it's much more delicate, more finger driven. Um, and I just, I think that certain drummers are a product of their environment and the growing up in any environment that is extremely competitive, where if you're not faster and better than that guy, you're not playing this week in church. Like, yeah, well, you know, that's, that's I think a that's, whole different world than what I grew up that's in. That's just like sports, too, where, you know, you get to that point when you can't be better than exactly. the other guy. Well, then you're probably going to stop. So then only the best of the best mm-hmm. keep going and keep going and keep Absolutely. going. Absolutely. And that's that's fair. I mean, that's legit. It is a competitive, yeah. you know, it is a business and they are competing for, for gigs and stuff. So I, I guess there's two approaches to that, where you you you're, take the Michael Jordan approach, where it's like, no, I'm going to be the best, right. or you just say, okay, I can do something else with my time. <laughs> you know, like I don't need to or, be yeah. the best. And that's kind of I think very important in the goal setting phase is how fast is fast enough for what you do. I honestly, truly like John Mayer. I like Phil Collins. I like Peter Gabriel. I like Sting, and you know, singles at say 150, 30 second notes, they're just not part of what I wish I could do. So my foot speed and my hand speed, it, it needs to be maintained so that I'm as smooth as possible at the speeds I do play. But I also just have to, with my goals, assess what is the most important thing to me. If somebody said inverted paradiddles right now, the first thing that comes to mind is definitely not speed. The first thing that comes to mind for me is clarity. I wish I mm. wish there was more clarity to that pattern because I do have it in single paradiddles. I do have it in singles and doubles. Um, and so clarity. And for me, I could do that as 16th notes at 90 BPM for a year just to really smooth that thing out. Right. I have a hard time playing that pattern without really emphasizing the melody in it. Dang, dang, da dang, 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 da dang. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of right hand lead the whole thing. So that would be a goal for me is clarity in in sticking patterns. Yeah, so I alluded to it. My goal for the past year or so, I'm sure I've talked about it ad nauseum, has been single strokes because I spent you know, from age nine until 21 working on my double stroke role with marching mm-hmm. band and, and wanting to do that style of playing. So my double stroke role, I felt is far superior than my single stroke role. I have a lot of control with it. It's clean. But what it doesn't have is just that intensity, that power. 
And anytime I tried to do singles around the kid, it just, I felt like I was beating myself up. So that was my goal for the, for the past year. I'm going to see how far I can push single stroke roll. I've definitely hit a plateau. I've definitely not able to punch through it and it's been months. So I'm thinking, okay, that's where I'm at now. Let's work on the other giant blind spots in my plane, which is hand foot patterns. Like okay. I felt like once I got this, my single stroke up to where I want it to be. And I've got my time to a point where I feel good about it and my subdivisions. Okay. Now let's go back to that stuff. I was faking for years, all the, the <sighs> linear hand foot stuff that I've right. completely washed out of my plane. Like it doesn't exist in my plane right now. So that's a current goal. Like I know I've got to go back to the beginning, but because I've taken care of all the other fundamental stuff, I feel like my time awareness is better. My subdivisions are stronger. I'm not going to feel like a phony when I start throwing in the bass drum in licks like I did right, for a while. Yeah. I just felt like it was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Is it a nine? Is it a six? Is it, is it an eight? What the hell am I doing? I have no idea. It's just that thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just right. do that thing. <laughs> right. Yeah, man, I think that that's super important. Well, I think we should maybe revisit this topic and talk about setting our goals on paper and reassessing them like how long is long enough to reassess your goals? I, I know to me, most of the students that I come in contact with their incubation period for a new concept or something they're working on is way too short. They're like, dude, mm. I've been chipping away at this thing for like two weeks now. I'm like, okay. Somebody literally just, um, I was watching a, so on our website, you can upload your videos and I review them. <clears throat> and a guy's working on the inverted paradiddle. And I felt I had to delete what I wrote to him. I mean, I, I obviously do a video response, but I do a written one too. And I had to delete it because it sounded so heartbreaking. I said, mm. here's what I need you to do. I need you to play that pattern every day on the kit, on a pad, on your hands and knees, on your steering wheel, as much as you can. Then I need you to play it to a metronome, a gap click. I need you to play it with music a lot. Grab a funk song, play along to some funk. After writing this whole thing, then the last sentence was, and then you will be scratching the surface. <laughs> and then I had to delete the whole thing because I was like, oh, my God, it's like soul crushing. It's the truth. It's so true. I mean, I oh. just had to, I just searched moderndrummer.com to find out when did I interview Steve Jordan. Here's the painful fact. October 2010. That was when he crushed my soul. He's, when I asked him, how do you know if you're grooving or not? And he said, if you have to ask that question, you're probably not grooving. It's been eight years of me searching for a way to answer that question that I know it's grooving or not. Eight years. And I'm still, like yesterday, it wasn't grooving and I didn't know why. <laughs> so, oh. Eight years. Maybe I'm well, slow. <laughs> no, dude. I, I, it's tough. I wonder if our listeners are inspired right now to know that we are going through what they're going through or if they're or if they're depressed going like, so it's never going to get any easier because I thought by now Mike and Mike had it all figured out. I mean, they clearly know we don't have anything figured out as far as just general intelligence. Uh, yeah. How could they have listened to us enough? <laughs> <laughs> how to ghost your friend? Yeah. Well, I mean, it. in this particular case, I didn't have a mentor early on that was that said no you're not playing like you're that was really harsh on my time and stuff they were just like cool you're playing the song right and we can get through it cool i was i was yeah. better than all of my peers but it was a small pool of peers 
I didn't have right. like someone who was like, that is just not right. And Steve Jordan and probably Eric and Tony and, and Ronald. That, I mean, Ronald had his dad every day. Like, nah, that's so just did not Eric. Right. I mean, and I, I know you've seen some of this stuff from like Sput and whatnot, but I mean, Eric can play bass and keys as well as he can play drums. Yeah. So, and it was all about keeping up with your siblings and everyone else that's attending church. I mean, it's just, it's a, yeah. it's just insane. So it's, I guess everyone's a product of their own environment. For me, it just took finally admitting that I wasn't as good as everyone told me I was when I was 10 years old. You know, I, I gotta. I I wonder what plays in, or how much this plays into it. I didn't know I was going to be a drummer until way late in life. I knew yeah. I was going to be a teacher, but I wasn't a ten year old thinking I was going to be a drummer. I, it was always a hobby. It was always something that, if my teachers even did tell me that I was, you know, if I got third chair, it was like, well, that sucks. But it, it didn't like destroy me. And mm-hmm. it wasn't even until I was touring with my band where I was like, hmm. Maybe when this touring thing's over, I'll just keep playing drums. Um, so yeah. who knows how I would have attacked it that way or or what teachers I would have, you know, maybe I could have come, come home to my mom and been like, hey, my teacher's horrible. He's he's just letting me slide. Because um, I remember when I started taking lessons with Pete Magadini, there was no sliding. He was just like, did, what did you do? Practice that on the steering wheel on the drive up here? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. yeah. exactly what I did. Yep. <laughs> uh, okay, well, let's talk about somebody that definitely practiced their rear end off, and that is Mr. Jonathan Barber. I found him, you guys have known about him because he was your, what, 2017 or 2018 up-and-coming drummer? Uh, well, how does that work? It was last year, but it's, it's for the following year. I guess it was a 2018 so- so he won the 2018 award, but it was all going should, down I in 2017. Either way, he won the up and coming drummer readers poll award. <laughs> yeah, in well, the past I two didn't. Years. I didn't know who he was. I found him. I think maybe Pickup Jazz probably posted something, and I saw him, and I was like, "This guy is amazing." So I went to his page and started watching his videos. And then immediately just wrote him. I uh, wrote him last week and said, oh, cool. Jonathan, my name's Mike Johnston. I just wanted to reach out and let you know I've watched about 100 of your videos today, and I think you are an absolute pro on every level. And uh, then we just had a nice little um, kind of started the conversation there. So before we get too deep into his career, which he's crazy young, so it's a short career so far, but amazing nonetheless. Why don't we uh, take a little listen to this guy? So I grabbed, um, what did I grab? This the Telefunken? Tele- yeah, so if you YouTube Jonathan Barber and Vision Ahead, Mr. JB Telefunken live from the lab. What is really cool about this is the video's there, and we're going to play some of that. But they also have a link where you can download the multi-tracks of the entire session. So you can listen to his overheads and compare them to how your overheads sound and listen to his kick drum and compare it to your kick drum. It's pretty cool. And you can just solo his drums and and rip all of his licks off. Let's check out a little bit of (laughs) Mr. JB. Thank you. 
find a good living example of modern drummer, that's him. Yeah, that's He's kinda that got the mix whole between exactly. It, you can hear so many different influences in there and it's like he's got the six piece Vinny setup but playing just I don't even know how to explain it it's open handed so you already you're, yeah. you're already a little thrown off by seeing that and then you're hearing these phrases that you go like okay he's playing straight time and this is kind of like funky fusion rock but yet tons of jazz phrasing and um, yeah. yeah, it's it's really cool. And Super digging fresh. into the article, just hearing about how his private instructor really forced the past masters on him, you know, yeah. and yeah, really yeah. said, yeah. you need the history of this instrument. And that's another thing that, you know, I, I wish that would have been more in my past. And I think you can hear that in Jonathan's playing. Yeah, it, what I, it's what I love about it is it's it's clearly he knows the lineage, but he's also pushing it as well. And, you know, I'm wondering if we look back on like this era of modern players, if they all actually can go back to Will Kennedy. Like I feel like Will Kennedy might've mm. been the guy in the nineties who kind of was doing, you know, I know jazz, but I'm also doing fusion, but it's not the muscle Billy Cobham fusion. It's definitely. Yeah, light. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if it's like him and then everything that kind of spawned out of that nineties, how would you? What would you describe that type of fusion? Because it wasn't traditional fusion. It was more of a. It was more yeah, jazz. it was. It was. It was, and it and it almost was. You know that that seventies fusion and the, and the early eighties fusion was pushing the rock side of fusion, and then all of a sudden the nineties fusion was pushing the elevator side of fusion. Yeah, and there's like some more world music in it. Yeah, and there, but there was the drumming was so great. We just got on board with it. But I remember seeing um, Will sent me um, an autographed picture, and it was him, Steve Smith, Weckle, Vinny, and maybe Gad. Mm. And I just remember thinking, like, how do people not know more about Will? Because he's he was part of that crew, and he and he's still doing it. I mean, dude, the guy just played with Snarky Puppy last year. You know, yeah, um, he's great. I think we, I think he's long. He's, I mean, we're kind of overlooking Jonathan, but I feel like there's a connection with yeah. Will, and you can kind of see generational, like Marcus uh, Baylor, Marcus yes, Baylor, and, I mean, who, who was in the Yellow Jackets, I believe, at one yep. point. Yeah, he took over for Will for a while. Yeah, um, similar, like, but real yeah, when kind you of see light, very traditional jazz, but also like totally aware of R and B and contemporary music. That's the thing is when I watched Jonathan play, I could see him doing. Uh, that I don't know if it was it was the first Christian Scott album that Thomas Pridgen played on. Really heavy mm-hmm. sound. I could see Jonathan easily doing that, but I could also see him doing music Soul Child or Jill Scott, and he would do it fine. But then I could see him. I mean, dude, he's got his own night at Smalls, right? Yeah, yeah, he's got his own band. I mean, it's so yeah. I mean, that's it's pretty incredible what he's doing now. If you if you go through his Instagram channel, just find anything that says like working on those left hand chops or something, because it's even though he is left handed, his left hand is freakishly fast when he's grooving. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, my God, I, I, I can't play singles as fast as his left hand just plays by itself. Um, so his but his touch is incredible. And maybe it's also a product of growing up or playing in New York a lot. But he has that touch where. It's pure elven fire, but at a at a volume that you feel like you could sit right next to his drum set and not have your ears blown out. Yeah, that's that's super impressive. If yeah, the the few 
jazz gigs I've had to do in the past decade, I'm reminded like that's a whole other level of chops that you cannot fake. You cannot fake whisper intensity. <laughs> you can't right. do it. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. So have you, now I'm assuming you haven't seen him play live yet? No, I haven't, but I, I, I need to. I mean, I've been following him for a while and just really started checking out his videos. And I, I think I had a slightly misguided uh, interpretation of what kind of a player he was. I thought it would be more traditional jazz just from his, his lineage. But his new band, right. his, his band is really killer. What would they call it again? It's uh, Vision Ahead. So Jonathan Barber and Vision Ahead. Definitely check it out. Yeah, and he's playing your uh, one of your favorite company's kits. He's playing a Canopus Neo Vintage kit. That's right. Um, so it's pretty cool stuff, stuff. And, he, and he sounds fantastic. So check him out. And uh, he, it says he recently became a Sunhouse Sensory Percussion Artist, so put those... Yeah. You know, weapons in his hands and see what happens. <laughs> uh, so definitely check out Jonathan Barber. And like I said, he's he's another one of those great people to follow on Instagram because he puts up a ton of stuff that for us drummers is just candy. But it's also a good mix between that and his life. So you get to know him a little bit through it. So now it's time to talk about some Dream Symbols. Yeah, so Dream, thank you for sponsoring the show. And they wanted to make sure you knew that they had posted a bunch of videos on their YouTube channel. So if you go to Dream Symbols and Gongs, that's their page. They recently, they've been bringing in artists to their, I guess it's their their showroom in uh, Canada. And they, they're filming artists playing the different lines. So we're going to drop in a minute of Scott Pellegrom, who's just playing an open solo using the energy line. So let's check that out. stuff so yeah please go check out their stuff they've been doing some really nice videos and i'm sure there's going to be more and more posted that video doesn't have enough views so hit them up subscribe to their channel um so we're we going to talk about gear wise what do we got oh do you ultimate ears buddy yeah that's right i got them right here right in front of me they made the flight with me okay um, so we're reviewing this week there'll be no audio for that the ultimate ears <laughs> uh, i always forget the model number UE the ue6 pro pro Yep. which is designed with drummers in mind. Um, so let's talk about it. So you have the 11s, you have the 6s. Do you have the 900s as well, the non-custom nope. molds? Okay. No, I don't. That's one thing I don't have. I have the 11s, and I think whatever their cheapest set is, which is maybe the UE4s. But those are um, custom mold as well, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, and uh, I had those first, used them for a long time. Then... Uh, I got a, you know, just full disclosure, I am an Ultimate Ears artist, and I would love to give you guys all some breakdowns on the different in-ear companies, but with custom molds, it's kind of hard. Yeah, I'm not going right. to go around and buy like 10 different pairs. Uh, so so then when I got my deal, I got the 11s, and then they contacted both you and I and, and about the six pros and said, mm -hmm. you know, these are designed for, dr for drummers. So for me, I a couple things. One, 
I love mine. I've talked about them before. They've been my picks of the week before. And they they are fun custom old in ears. They are. I would not consider them reference monitors. Yeah, I wouldn't mix a yeah. record with them. They're not designed for right. that. Yeah. The Elevens, I would. Yeah, but the the Six Pros are designed to enjoy playing your drum set, whether it be on stage or just at home. Yeah, and what I think is killer about them is they're only seven hundred dollars for a custom old in ear that's clean. I mean, it sounds really nice. Comparing them to the Elevens, the Elevens has you know hyper detail and balanced sound but the six is like right there under it and it's half the price i think it is half the price yeah so the other ones are 1400 bucks and the other thing that i i try really hard to never push my endorsed products on my students i want them to know hey here's the other companies that make these products and i and honestly with the drum stuff i know quite a bit about it because we've either reviewed it on the podcast or i've seen it at a music store mm-hmm. but the one thing that i think is a sales point for this is you're buying into not just the in-ear but the company and it's great that they keep your in-ears on file they keep your impressions on file so if you damage one of them you don't have to buy one you don't have to get new impressions and two you don't have to buy a new set you can just say hey my dog ate my left one. And I always say that, but it's not a joke because my dog ate my left one and I had to order a new one. And I was really worried that I was going to have to buy two and get my impressions done. Because honestly, I think most people that don't have custom molds, it's because they hear about the impressions and they're like, ah, oh, I just want to buy something. Yeah. I don't want to go to the audiologist and get my goo and then I ship the goo in. And then a week later, it's like, I know it sucks, but do it once. And with Ultimate Ears, then they keep it on file. Um, so... That part's really important to me. The new cable that it comes with, that silky cable. Yeah, I just flew Superbax cable. Okay. okay. It's no joke. I went from is. yeah, Sacramento <laughs> to Atlanta and Atlanta to Manchester, England, and I never took them out except for during the layover. But they were in my ears the whole time. And I used to think that the in-ears are what hurt my ears until I got these and realized the cable is actually what was hurting my ears the whole time, mm-hmm. not the in-ears. And so, you know, when you fly and you just look at that baby crying and you go, bro, you have no shot. You put in your in-ears, you're like, I can't even hear you. So I love the new cable. Um, the other thing that's really cool, if you're a touring drummer, this cable is waterproof. Mm. So for those of you that sweat like a pig, that would be me. When I was touring doing the rock thing, I used to have those um, non-custom molded in-ears and they would just slip out the whole night because yeah. I just get... You know, they said they started out great, but I'd start sweating. Um, so this cable can handle that. And and the and the other thing is the cable comes off really easy. It's super secure, but you can just take the cable off. And when you do now, you have custom molded earplugs and you're set. Just walk around for the opening bands with those in, then put your cable back in and you're good to go. So as far as um, recommending these, I mean, I have I have the 11s and 6s and I also have the 900s. I'm wearing them now. I think the 900s are 400 bucks, 300 bucks. So those are non-custom molds. I think they're great and they do work really well uh, at the drum set in the studio. But they I do feel a tendency to have to keep pushing them in every once in a while. Yeah. Like that's the problem mm-hmm. with those for me and the cable isn't nearly as as comfortable. The 6s and the 11s are virtually identical, I think, to feel-wise. Like oh, they, yeah. they're identical. They are. Now, I use the 11s more often just because I have them and I need as much clarity in the sound as possible. With the 6s, I can get that, but I just have to roll off more of the low end. If you want a ton of low end in your ears, they've got it. But I end up actually roll off the low end probably a good 30% 
just so there's no like rumble in my ears. I th- yeah, and that's what I was saying. They're just fun. When you get on your kit, you go, "Oh man, my kick sounds amazing." Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, and I also feel like there's a lot of snap out of the snare. There's good sizzle in the cymbals. So I think they're. If you want to enjoy your time on the kit, these are the in ears for you. If you're going to be going back and forth between that and then mixing a an album or mixing tracks for somebody. I mean, honestly, I still mix with my Yamaha NS10s, so mm-hmm. I'm not mixing with in-ears. But the 11s are perfect for that because they are very honest in-ears. Um, but these things are, are quite amazing. Like Mike said, they're 700 bucks. Uh, if I was talking to Amber, they're 699 because I always try to round that first number down a bit. Um, and you get, you'll always get a little custom case with them with your name on it and everything. Yeah. And it comes with a cleaning tool. You do need to clean these things, keep them in good shape. But yeah, I absolutely love mine. So yeah, let's check them out. UE6 Pro. It's, I think it's designed, it's probably about the, the best custom mold in ear for drum applications. I've tried several. And for that price, I don't I don't know of anything else that really beats it. So check it out. I agree with you. In the market for that. All right, let's get into some Q and A. All right, first one is this is this is one that we've never quite addressed, but I keep getting asked this all the time. So this is from Eric. How about adding in some interviews with your favorite drummers? Hmm. Okay. We should talk about that. Yes, we should. They explain. don't. They don't. <laughs> yes. We made a decision two and a half years ago, or whenever. God, it's been a while since that dinner at NAMM. <laughs> right. It's almost three years <laughs> since then. Um, so we made a decision that this would not be an interview-based podcast because I felt at the time that when you have an interview-based podcast, the, the episodes hinge on whether or not the person you're interviewing is a good interview. If you have somebody that's extremely just has a magnetic personality and, and they've got charisma coming out their ears, then it's a great episode. And if you have somebody that's just not comfortable being interviewed and gives very short answers, then the episode and the podcast therefore can suffer. So we made that decision a long time ago. That's also one of the other reasons why there are, there's two of us. I didn't want to do a non interview based podcast and have it just be one person. So yeah, you gotta be a stand up so, comic to pull that off. I think. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah, like Bill Burr. Yeah. So, so that's. By the way, he just sent me a a, a little video of his new drum room, and it, he's got his Brooklyn in there, or no, his broadcaster. It's looking good. Nice. It's looking good. Um, but a uh, uh, name drop, and so I think that we have talked about bringing in short pieces of audio from some of our favorite drummers when we're talking about specific subjects. Um, and that's something that I think both Mike and I do want to do. Yeah, yeah. If we're discussing hand technique, we would like to say, let's grab a, let's grab a clip from whoever, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That's been kind of on the docket once both of our schedules finally chill out. We'll yeah. see what happens. But I feel like, I feel like PASIC is when you get through PASIC and cause you're at PASIC while I'm in Poland and Spain and Germany doing that tour. When we both get home from that, that'll be our first deep, like, sigh of relief you know and like reassess Um, what is this show that we do every week even though one of us might be someone else in the world (laughs) i know it's insane i i mean honestly the fact that we're both drummers and we're both very busy drummers and this generally happens every week it's pretty remarkable (laughs) not trying to pat ourselves on the back but i mean we're not as as a whole us drummers are not really the most reliable human beings in the world man 
speaking of which, right. I got to get to a show soon. Okay, so this one's from <laughs> Matthew. Um, you guys occasionally cite Travis Barker for his drumming, even though he's a great player. I have often found him to be a prime example of over drumming. That is overly complicated mm. chops and fills for relatively simple songs. How important do you find it in terms of musicality to strike a balance between playing to fit the song and pushing the instrument further? to not be generic, uh, but not be too edgy? That's a good question. That probably could be a featured topic. I think for me, the short answer is that's Travis Barker's band, so he can kind of do whatever the heck he wants to do in that band. I mean, just like Neil Peart is the drummer in Rush, and he can play whatever he wants to in Rush. Right. Um, that's. I guess that's the easiest way for me to explain it. And those songs just, they, they need... Something. I mean, when when your guitarists are just playing downstrokes and they're just playing one four five with maybe a minor six chord, right? I mean, you could do the Marky Ramone approach and that could be cool, but I feel like that band, Travis Barker, there was so much room for him to do whatever he wanted to do. So I agree. I I never thought, um, you know, I, I yeah, I never it never stood out to me as overplaying for what he was doing, and actually it was. It was more than anything leading the way for other pop punk drummers. I was watching that entire scene change to what he was doing. So, uh, and you know, uh, there are other pop punk bands that have a much more played down version of it, and it's it's not the same. So, I think Travis is great, and I thought what he did was great, and our industry needed him very badly at that time too. That's true. Talk about coming down at the right time. I mean, he he. He was he was the like Dave Grohl of ten years after the fact. Absolutely. Um, okay, so let's go with one more. This is hmm. Okay, this is from Drew. How long does it take for you to know whether or not you like the sound of a new piece of gear? Do you immediately know, or you have to play it for a while before the nuance uh, starts to settle in? I always think I immediately know. And then I'm generally wrong. <laughs> so, I mean, dude, how long have I had my prototype snare? When did I send you that first picture and video? You and Carter. Like, that was... Oh, a long time ago. Long time ago. And I just now was like, dude, I love my snare. <laughs> it's like... And you didn't really... It, you weren't really digging it then at first, right? No. No. <laughs> okay. Can I, I just have to tell you something really bad. So... It was because there wasn't enough snap to it. There wasn't enough like sizzle and, and sensitivity. And then I don't my tell me ears it's a single ply head. No, 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 <laughs> okay. no. And then and then all of a sudden, like one morning, I woke up and I was kind of deaf in my left ear, and I was like, ah, it's that time. Like once a year, I have to get my ears flushed out because wearing the in ears compacts the wax. Anyways, I go to the doctor, get my ears flushed out, come back to the studio, and it's like. It's like the most high frequency thing ever. Any and I was like. I love my snare. And I just got off the phone with Andrew and Gretch telling him like, dude, we need more sensitivity. So yeeks. Uh, Sorry about that. So if you uh, don't like the way your gear sounds, keep your ears clean. Flush your ears. <laughs> oh, I so wish that wasn't a true story. All right. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. That's I can't talk that. I'm, I'm not gonna get serious with that answer other than give yourself time. <laughs> There you go. There you go. All right, guys, thanks for sending in your questions. Please keep doing so. You can send them into mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. We absolutely appreciate it. And thanks for putting up with our crazy schedules and how 
while Mike and I are traveling around and he's doing Broadway gigs and I'm somewhere in Europe. We're just still trying to make this work for you guys. All right, let's get to our picks of the week and get you off to a show. All right, my pick of the week is actually a result of of playing uh, Carter's kit. He has a concert bass drum in the pit with a drum head that I have never tried before, and it sounds awesome. It is the Remo Diplomat Skin Tone, which Mm. is sort of like a fiber skin, but it's not as thick and heavy and plastic sounding okay it's a five mil diplomat you know i guess diplomat is wow that's thin five, it's a five mil head with a three mil fiber on top of it okay it is the closest thing that i've played to like a like a natural skin head it looks more like a calf skin uh, it sounds great and they have it available from 10 to 18 and then also for bass drums of all sizes. So if you're looking for something that's calfskin-like, but you don't really like the fiber skin for that kind of... Fiber skin to me is just a little too dense, a little too too thick. This is a beautiful head. So check it out. Remo Diplomat wow. Skin Tone. That thing looks absolutely awesome because that's always been the problem with the fiber skin is it's just such a thick head. Yeah. That seems exactly. like the perfect balance. Uh, well, this episode is my pick of the week because Jonathan Barber was going to be my pick of the week, and then we decided to feature him. And if not, I knew I was traveling in the ultimate ears. The UE6 <laughs> Pros would have been my pick of the week. So there you go. Check out Jonathan Barber. Get the ultimate ears 6 Pros. The UE6 Pros, you will not be disappointed. They're amazing. The only thing I will say is always pay for the longer cord. No matter what you think you need, always pay for the longer cord that's true i've almost ripped my my head off a couple times (laughs) man you think walking away from the kit with non-custom molds is bad when you walk away with custom molds it literally pulls your whole head back and you just fall on the ground like pieces of your brains get yanked out of your ears yeah it's like getting (laughs) clotheslined there's nothing worse all right everybody have an amazing week get out there and practice i hope i get to meet a bunch of you at the uh uk what is it called? Yeah, the 2018 UK Drum Show. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, at the clinic in Bath. The clinic in Bath will be at the Egg Theater on October 2nd at 7.30 p.m. So I hope to see you guys all there. All right, so our outro beat is by, you knew this. Kirk Schumacher. Right. He, was at a, he was at a drum camp, and it's a killer little jazz beat. All right, thanks, Kirk. Everyone have a good week, and we'll see you next time. Later, brother.